0: begin today's program, our annual event, bringing in our former news director, Mark Roy, to the studio to talk about all things Beatles. And Mark's theme this year has to do with songs that refer to or about the Beatles. Mark, good morning. Thanks for coming in today. I assume all went well on Christmas Day yesterday. And- it
1: did. We had a wonderful time with family
0: yesterday, and the day before was
1: wonderful. Um, I'm singing the choir at my local church, Storrs Congregational Church, and Cheryl plays bells with the bell choir, and the services were wonderful on Sunday morning. So yeah, it's been a great Christmas.
0: And I'll just share with the world on Facebook, he put a picture of his tree. Oh my gosh, what a spectacular <laughs> tree that is. So good job by you on Thank that. You. So, uh, by the way, happy Boxing Day to you.
1: Yes. We've Significant done, we, day in the Beatles history. We've done used, a whole show on that. We have. Yeah. We
0: have. So we won't do that today, but tell, so give a little bit of an uh, insight as to where we're going with this show well, today. as
1: the market always does, when something is a big hit, you try to feed off of that uh, success. And so when the mania hit the United States in early 1964, we started seeing a number of songs related to the Beatles. And this one was uh, one that a lot of people back then would recognize. Some of the others were just flash in the pan, but this one was played a bit. Uh, The Carefreeze was a pop group in England, and it included a woman named Lynn Cornell, and she had been previously in a girl group called the Vernon Girls in Britain, a group that we've never heard of in the United States, but an interesting tie to the Beatles is that she was married to a drummer named Andy White, And Andy White was the session drummer who was called in to play on Love Me Do because George Martin didn't know Ringo Starr and didn't know what his capability was. So when the Beatles recorded Love Me Do, there are two versions, and the one with Ringo is now more prominent. But the original version that was out there on on the album that first came out was Andy White, and his wife was a part of the group that sang this song, We Love You, Beatles.
0: And the song was based on We Love You, Conrad, from the musical Bye Bye Birdie, and has those simple lyrics, We Love You, Beatles. Oh, yes, we do. And then it kind of goes through the group, Ringo, John, Paul, and George, in that order.
1: And Bye Bye Birdie was based on the success of Elvis Presley. And so the character, uh, Conrad Birdie, is an Elvis Presley clone.
0: All right. So speaking of Ringo...
1: Right. Well, the second song, it's one I actually do not recall hearing it way back in 64. Uh, I've heard it since, obviously. But it's something, uh, I guess Ringo, you know, they had nicknames for John was the intellectual and Paul was the cute one and George was something, uh, the quiet one. But Ringo, uh, really, a lot of people saw his puppy dog eyes and and his... his short stature, and he, was, he wasn't called the cute one, but people really got into Ringo back then. There was a Ringo for president, uh, <laughs> sort of campaign. Well, the, whole movie, uh,
0: the whole movie was about Ringo. The, well, yes,
1: Hard Day's Night yeah. is is a plot line that goes around Ringo, and so does Help. I mean, Help has to, a lot to do with Ringo as well. Um, actually, Hard Day's Night is not about Ringo, but Ringo has a prominent role in it, especially his solo session there where he's out uh, walking. He's he's seemingly left the group, and
0: yeah. well, the story of this song though isn't just that the song is about Ringo but it's who sings the song.
1: Yes, uh, Bonnie Jo Mason was a stage name for a young singer who had yet to be uh, on the world stage. Uh, Today we know her as Cher, and the song is called Ringo, I Love You.
0: The first solo song recorded by Cher, even though people had heard it back in 1964 or so, heard it by the name of Bonnie Jo Mason. All right, what's next?
1: Well, I, again, you, you'll notice in that song that uh, they, they latch on to a number of things about the Beatles, the yeah, 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 I want to hold your hand, etc., um, and the hair. The Beatles' haircuts were such a thing back in 64, mop tops, etc., that their long hair was something unusual. We came out of the 50s with everybody having crew cuts. I remember the only haircut my father gave, because he cut our hair, was a crew cut. He knew how to do one, <laughs> one kind of haircut, and to save money, he would cut my, my brother and my hair, and that's the kind of haircut we had until 1964, and a lot of guys at that point started growing their hair longer. So that was, that was a touchstone for people. But coming up next is one that um, kind of feeds on that. Um, a uh, parody singer, songwriter at the time, Alan Sherman. Well, had had was, a, for
0: the folks who remember, he had a big hit called Hello, Mudda. Hello, Father. Here I am at Camp Granada. And it was a hit song.
1: It was. It was a hit song. And he had a hit album, My Son the Folk Singer. And he had parody songs. Uh, they were all familiar tunes. You Went the Wrong Way Old King Louis was about the French Revolution and uh, King Louis Sixteenth, And uh, so he uh, got on the bandwagon here with the Beatles, and he came up with a song that's called uh, from Pop Goes the Weasel, and it's called Pop Hates the Beatles.
2: My daughter needs a new phonograph. She wore out all the needles. Besides, I broke the old one in half. I hate the Beatles. Says they have a Liverpool beat She says they used to play there Four nice kids from off of the street Why didn't they stay there? What is all the screaming about? Fainting and swooning Sounds to me like their guitars Could use a little tuning The boys are from the British Empire. The British think they're keen. If that is what the British desire, God save the Queen. No daughter of mine can push me around. In my house, I'm the master. But when the Beatles came into town, gad, what a disaster! Little girls in sneakers and jeans Destroyed the territory Twas like some of the gorier scenes From West Side Story Of course my daughter had to go there The tickets are cheap, she hollers I was able to pick up a pair For forty-seven dollars when the Beatles come on the stage, they scream and shriek and cheer them. Now I know why they're such a rage, it's impossible to hear them. Ringo is the one with the drum, the others all play with them. It shows you what a boy can become without a sense of rhythm. <laughs> There's Beatle books and T-shirts and rings and one thing and another. To buy my daughter all of these things, I had to sell her brother. (laughs) Back in 1776, we fought the British then, folks. Parents of America, it's time to do it again, folks. (laughs) ¶¶ when they come back, here's how we'll begin. We'll throw them in Boston Harbor. But please, before we toss them all in, let's take them to a barber!
0: It's our annual Breakfast with the Beatles program with our former news director, Mark Roy. Joining us today, the beetleologist. this year... And today, talking about songs that sing about the Beatles or refer to the Beatles. But Mark, it's not always singing about the Beatles. How did Casey Kasem get involved in this? Well, at this point,
1: I think the um, success of the Beatles is more than a flash in the pan. So those early ones are parody songs or they're songs that are trying to cash in on what people think is probably a one-and-done by the Beatles. You know, they're a big hit for a few moments and then they're gone. But by the time we get to the summer of 1964, they have made their first movie. And A Hard Day's Night has been released in the U.S. And the album is out and um, Casey Kasem, um, whether it was him, I don't know who actually came up with the concept of doing this, but he received a letter from a fan who had seen the Beatles. And now we're talking not about parody and the joke about the hair and everything. Now it's reverence for the Beatles and uh, who they are and what they're providing to their fans as far as good music uh, and and an enjoyable uh, experience.
3: Hello. I'm a disc jockey, and following a Beatle performance, one of my listeners wrote me a touching letter. Because it really happened, I'd like to share it with you. Dear Casey, if you're wondering what it is that I'm writing about, I'll tell you. I hug my favorite Beatle, George Harrison. On August 19th, the night of the Beatle performance at the Cow Palace in San Francisco, two of my friends came along with me. Naturally, when I saw George walk on stage, I screamed my heart out. When he sang, I knew that I had to touch him. When they announced their last song, I nudged Eric, the boy that I was with, and told him that I was going outside to try and find the limousines that they'd leave in. He said that he'd come with me. We ran outside and found that other people had the same idea. The crowd was so big, I lost Eric. I started to run all around looking for him, but I couldn't find him. Finally, I reached a part behind the cow palace where nobody was, and I decided to turn back. As I started to leave, I thought that I saw something behind the bushes. I looked, and I saw the limousines parked close together. A fence was separating the limousines from me. Without thinking, I climbed the fence and approached the two cars. They were very well hidden from the public eye, and my heart skipped a beat when I figured they were the same limousines that the Beatles would leave in. Something caught my eye. I looked up and saw George and Paul walking together. Behind them, Ringo and John. George and Paul were talking with a couple of guards and laughing. They didn't see me. Before I knew what was happening, I was running to George. I caught him, and I hugged him. Boy, I sure did cling. He was taken by surprise, and when he realized what was happening, he smiled at me and said, hi, bird. The tears were running down my cheeks, and I clung hard, but couldn't say a word. Paul stood there and stared with a grin. Ringo passed and looked at me with his mouth open. John passed and just glanced at me for a second. John and Ringo, followed by a couple of men, climbed in one limousine and left. The guards were trying to pull me away while George grinned and Paul stared. Finally, when they pulled us apart, Paul opened the door for George and they both climbed into the car. When they were both in the car, I broke away from the guards and I ran and touched the door handle that Paul had touched. Paul and George both turned around and waved to me with big grins on their faces. I walked in a daze back to where Eric was. Eric came up to me and asked me where I was. Lynette, the other girl with us, saw the tears in my eyes, noticed that I was breathing hard and saw that my eyes were wandering. I muttered that I would hugged George, and she nearly fainted right then. Eric asked me a bunch of questions, but I kept muttering that I hugged George. When I would calmed down, Lynette and Eric asked question after question. My dad laughed when I told him. My mom touched my hand. My girlfriends were and are very envious. One thing that I'll always remember is the way George said, Hi, Bird. It was so romantic, and he was so handsome. Well, Casey, thanks for reading this. Elena.
0: And well, of course, Casey Kasem's American Top 40 didn't begin until 1970. So, uh, not sure quite what the origin of that was, but nonetheless, it became a big thing on American Top 40 for him to read letters, but that was one of the early examples of that, I guess, Mark.
1: Yeah, it was. Yeah. And he took it uh, and used And I Love Her, which was from A Hard Day's Night, and at this point now, the Beatles are established. You know, they had established themselves pretty well in England anyway. It was just Beatlemania didn't hit here until the, you know, 1964, and um, a, a beatles really didn't hit the u.s until late december i think it's this is the date that one of their first records i want to hold your hand was released in the united states today's date December 23
0: yeah and by the way i'm telling you off air that i want to hold your hand got released on today's date 60 years ago it eventually became the beatles first number one song in the usa what did it replace on the charts bobby vinton there i've said it again and to me, that's significant because it really shows the difference where music was and then where music was going, thanks to the British invasion, thanks to the Beatles. Right. At the time, I
1: think groups were folk groups. At, in American music at the time, we weren't thinking of rock groups. I mean, there was body Holly and other things like that in the late '50s and into the early '60s. But music was changing. Um, uh, one of the um, um, biographies of the Beatles that I read a couple of years ago indicated that in the U.S., folk music seemed to be overtaking rock and roll at this point, 1963-64. One of the uh, popular shows on television was Hootenanny, which was a show that went to college campuses across the country and presented singing groups, Peter, Paul, and Mary, Pete Seeger, uh, other groups that were doing folk uh, at the time, uh, people like uh, the Brothers Four and others who were doing those kinds of things. Michael Row The Boat Ashore was a big song in the early 60s. But now we're seeing it change, and in pop music, it's pop idols like Bobby Vinton. Not a group, but a a solo artist. And the Beatles kind of changed everything.
0: Well, and we're talking about today and playing mostly songs that refer to the Beatles, either lyrics or Beatlemania, things like that. But there's also some examples we'll be playing today of songs by the Beatles that sometimes are introspective in their own right. And one song, which I guess doesn't specifically refer to their music, but it's a classic song from Rubber Soul.
1: Right, and it's where their songwriting is now starting to spread out. We're into Rubber Soul, we're into Revolver, that period in their songwriting. And, you know, it's just amazing. They're writing songs while they're doing all of these crazy tours, the screaming and everything. They get done with a a frantic concert, and they go back to a hotel room, and John and Paul start writing songs in a hotel room and knock out something like this song.
4: There are places I remember All my life Though somehow And think about them
1: my life. John Lennon talking about his life and a point in time with the Beatles where they're starting to get more introspective and the songs that they're writing are more about life and less about uh, rock and roll. And in that song, there's uh, that interlude, the harpsichord, in the middle there where George Martin, who was the producer who was behind the early recordings of the Beatles and into their late years as well, uh, he was a musician and he played that at half speed and they sped it up. And it's been said that if the Beatles tried to perform this in public, they would not have been able to at that time.
0: I heard Billy Joel hosting a Beatles segment on the Beatles channel on Sirius XM one day. He did a long thing on that because, you know, he is the piano man. And how much that got his attention when he was a kid growing up. I guess it was in the studio at Sirius. Maybe it was at home. Wherever they taped this segment or live, whatever it was, he talked about it, and then he went to the keyboard, and he nailed it. So here, while George Martin didn't think he could really produce, I thought that he couldn't do it in the studio setting, much less live, Billy Joel nailed it. He got it just like George Martin played it. It was pretty cool to hear a piano maestro Like Billy Joel, do that.
1: Well, I think it was the practicality, that at a Beatles concert, that would not be, it wouldn't be heard, it wouldn't be appreciated, because there was still the screaming going on. And we're now, as we're talking about these songs about the Beatles and references, we're now into the mid-60s. They're well-established. And they've also decided in 1966, we we can't do this frantic, come out try to sing while people are screaming, we can't do this, we, nobody's appreciating the music. And it was the right time for them to stop doing that and go into the studio and start producing wonderful, even more wonderful music.
0: And obviously their music had such an impact on so many other artists and that includes in their songwriting. To the point where some songs now began to have references to the beatles like At, johnny rivers like
1: johnny rivers and so in the
0: summer of 67 he's hearing the
1: beatles have come back it's been a long drought there has not been an album out for almost a year and suddenly sergeant pepper's lonely hearts club band hits everybody
0: Johnny Rivers' Beatles tribute there with the reference to Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And I like
1: that that's the second bridge. Then the first bridge, he doesn't say everybody kept on playing. He said, and the jukebox kept on playing, Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band. And when you think about that, uh, that that concept album and... and the fact that Sergeant Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band leads into another song. You can't play the one without the other, you know, uh, with a little help from my friends. So on jukeboxes, the music is changing as well.
0: And then Peter, Paul, and Mary kind of did the same thing. They did, and this is a reference. Uh, well, Peter, Paul, and Mary at this point, they've
1: they've been a very successful folk group, and they are still very successful, just not getting as much radio play as they used to get. And they come up with a song that makes reference to a number of popular groups at the time, the Mamas and the Papas and Donovan and, uh, and the Beatles. And
4: when the Beatles.
0: A couple of examples of other artists who make reference to the Beatles in their music, but again, the Beatles, Mark, made plenty of references to themselves in their songs as well.
1: Uh, they did, and in one of the first ones that they ever did that, and actually you know, just about the only one as the Beatles, we'll talk about some others when they were solo artists, but... Uh, They're hearing all of these different things, and uh, people are saying Paul is dead, and that the the Beatles are burying messages in their songs, which is what Peter, Paul, and Mary were referring to in their song about saying exactly what they say and uh, tricks they're using in the studio with music. And
0: uh, John writes Glass Onion. And there's a couple of references to separate situations involving the Beatles in Glass Onion. Another clue for you all, the walrus is Paul. Mark, could you explain that to the people?
1: Yes. At the time, people started coming up with conspiracies about what was going on with the Beatles. Were they, in fact, inserting messages into their songs? And they weren't. But John thought, you know what? If they think we are, why don't we throw them off and just say things and let them have a ball with it? I mean, he was he was being sarcastic, uh, but he wrote this song and made references to the Beatles, and the walrus was Paul. Why, why, why does that matter? Because John sings a song where he says, I am the walrus. But of course, in Magical Mystery Tour, when they were in costume, it was Paul who was wearing the walrus mask, and that's the reference that he's making, and,
0: and that's all it is. And in that same song, which is Glass Onion from the White Album, there's another Beatles reference to the Beatles referring to themselves or one of their songs. The Fool on the Hill, Hill, a song from Magical Mystery Tour, the reference there. So there's a couple of examples of the Beatles doing it, and then uh, even bands like the Temptations, had a reference to the Beatles.
1: They did. Um, And the Temptations are a great group. A song written by Barrett Strong Jr. and Norman Whitfield. Uh, They also wrote a lot of uh, Motown songs, like I Heard It Through the Grapevine, War, Just My Imagination, Papa Was a Rolling Stone. And this song comes out and uh, is talking about... The troubles in the world at the time—the Vietnam War is going on. There are riots in the cities. Uh, racial discrimination is is being brought to the fore and talked about, and uh, justice is being sought. And in one of their references, they mentioned the Beatles.
4: Beer in the air,
0: New Beatles records were a gas back in the days. Temptations there from Ball of Confusion. So there's our uh, first couple of segments regarding Beatles songs or the Beatles themselves being referenced by other groups.
5: watching Come to live in the light of the beacon of liberty. Plains and open skies, billboards would advertise. Was it anything like that when you The future to the heart of America People were waiting in line for a play With a hand Oh, my.
0: Sedaka with a song called The Immigrant. As we are this morning having our annual Breakfast with the Beatles, Mark Roy, our former news director, is our guest this morning. And our theme for this year's show is songs that are about the Beatles. And that song Mark, was about John Lennon.
1: Right. John was having immigration problems, uh, largely that had run out of the, at this point when this song is released, there is no more Nixon administration, Uh, but uh, he was one of the people on the enemies list uh, back then, and they were making it hard for him to get back into the United States. And Neil Sedaka was having a resurgence of his own at that time. Uh, his song, Love Will Keep Us Together, by Captain Antonio even references Sedaka is back. He puts out a slow version, which is a beautiful version of Breaking Up is Hard to Do, and the Immigrant Song. And it's interesting, as we were talking earlier about Bobby Vinton and those kinds of idols being knocked off of the charts by the Beatles, I think Neil Sedaka could be put into that group, because we don't really hear much from him into the mid and late 60s. He makes that resurgence again around seventy-three, seventy-four,
0: And the reference by Sadaka to the immigrant, as you indicated, was about John Lennon. And then later on, after John is murdered, Elton John had his own tribute to John Lennon. He
1: did. They became very good friends, and John's last live performance was with Elton John.
0: There's Elton John with his tribute to John Lennon after his passing with a song called Empty Garden. All right, let's go back a little bit here and uh, talk about maybe some of the individual artists in the Beatles who had references to the Beatles. And one of those would be George Harrison.
1: One of his most popular and best-selling albums uh, was um, the, uh, the album he put out at the end of 1970, uh, All Things Must Pass, George Harrison. He had a backlog of songs that had not been really listened to closely by John and Paul before the breakup occurred in early 1970. But on his album, he puts out a song called Wawa, which he wrote when he briefly left the Beatles in, in, during those get-back sessions that were chronicled by Peter Jackson a year or two ago and uh, still available on Disney+. Awesome documentary. Uh, and George was just expressing his frustration.
0: And you've given me a wah-wah, and I'm thinking of you and all the things we used to do. Wah-wah, wah-wah, you made me such a big star, being there at the right time, cheaper than a dime. Wah-wah, you've given me your wah-wah. Oh, you don't see me crying. You Don't See Me Sighing, music from George Harrison. As as Mark Roy said, it was during the Get Back sessions. And then Ringo was able to chime in also.
1: Right. In the uh, early 70s, as they're going through lawsuits that would go on for decades, the Beatles uh, still had an affection for each other. And uh, that includes this song that uh, Ringo put out. uh, And he's talking about how he really would like to be back with his friends.
0: And this actually was the B side of his first big hit, it don't come easy.
4: <laughs> <laughs> it's on the farm got plenty of charm feet
1: which was a George Harrison rock. He's got no
4: cows but he'll got a whole lot of sheep. <laughs> a brand new wife and a family. And when he comes to town, I wonder if he'll play with me Laying in bed, watching TV, cocky With his mama by his side, she's Japanese They screamed and they cried, now they're free And when he comes to town, I know he's gonna play with me This long-legged lady in the garden picking daisies for his soup.
0: example of Ringo's songwriting at the time, inspired by the breakup of the Beatles. and it goes on to talk about McCartney, Lennon, and Harrison and the lyrics, and the likelihood of each of them making music with Ringo again, and really, they did.
1: They did. They did. Ringo was the one who was interchangeable with all of them. He was friends with all of them. He wanted them back together. Um, Ringo was an only child. He considered John Paul and George his brothers, and he really enjoyed being in the Beatles. Um, Yeah, there were frustrations for him as well. An interesting thing about that song is that George Harrison plays on it. And George Harrison wrote the A-side, It Don't Come Easy. So George is hearing all of this as well. Uh, but he, he kind of stands back. Uh, the stuff that he writes that's self-referential self-refer- uh, is a couple of years later, like Living in the Material World. We might play a clip from that too. Um, but. Now we're talking about Paul and John. How are they reacting to this breakup? John referred to it in the mid-70s as a divorce. And you can, you can see that. They were very close. They were songwriting buddies. They were together all the time writing songs, putting ideas off of each other. They could be harsh with each other. It was like, it was like a marriage. And when it bro- they broke up, there were hard feelings on both sides. And so we hear from Paul first on his Ram album, where he puts out a song called Too Many People
0: which is directed at John Lennon
1: it's directed at John and the fact that in those later years as a group it's not just the four of them in the studio anymore there is a constant presence of Yoko Ono with John
0: directed at John Lennon, and then John Lennon shot back. He took a shot back. He sure
1: did. Uh, he, he listened to Ram, and he thought, Paul, what have you done? He thought it was too much bubblegum music, which it isn't. There's some really good things off of that album. But this is the way he was feeling at the time, and he said, Paul, what's going on? How do you sleep?
0: John Lennon with How Do You Sleep at Night. Well, let's not leave Ringo out on this.
1: No, but one final
0: note about How Do You Sleep. Paul actually did have another
1: comeback for that, and it was on his first Wings album, and it's called Dear Boy. And it's basically a message to John saying, hey, uh, I'm doing my best here, let's not fight, that sort of thing. But yeah... 1973, Ringo, um, who'd have thought that at this point he would have a very successful solo album, but on this album, for the first time in three years, all four Beatles, not playing all together, although there are songs with John, George, and Ringo, uh, and then there's another song with Ringo and Paul playing, but um, it's a very good album, several hits come off of this album, and it's self-titled Ringo.
0: And this clip of that song I'm going to play includes the lyric, yes, my name is Billy Shears. I think we should explain that before people hear that line being sung.
1: Exactly. It goes back to Sgt. Pepper, and it goes back to the fact that as they introduce the song that Ringo sings, it's a wonderful song, um, and it says he's Billy Shears singing, you know, this, this song.
0: do is boogaloo well that's a reference i think also to a hit that he had after it don't come easy that was pretty big on the charts back off boogaloo by ringo Starr. so he's almost referencing himself with that song mark exactly and yet it was written
1: by john lennon
0: and john originally was
1: writing it for himself and he thought now this this is be good for ringo so he he changes some of the lyrics
0: and gives it off to ringo and he plays on that song as well i may take a sidebar here we Don't really want to talk about the uh, Paul is dead rumors here. But one of the conspiracy theories long before that was a phrase, by the way, in the Paul is dead thing back in the late 60s was that after he had, quote unquote, died, that the reference in Sergeant Pepper's to let me introduce to you the one and only Billy Shears was them subtly introducing the replacement for McCartney. I don't know if that's really what happened. Because we know Paul didn't die. But that was one of the many conspiracy theories back there. That's what the reference in Sgt. Pepper's was to Billy Shears. All right, let's move on to George Harrison. Well, George Harrison is, uh, you know, he's
1: thinking about uh, all those uh, years ago. Uh, <laughs> that's one of his songs later on. Um, he uh, is now getting a little bit autobiographical in some of his songwriting. And in the album that's titled Living in the Material World, he's sort of giving. Uh, um, uh, an autobiographical look at his life
0: John and Paul, here in the material world, though we started out quite poor, we got Richie, as in Richard, Starkey, Ringo, on a tour, got caught up in the material world. That was George Harrison's and work. And the,
1: uh, the tour is when they were in Hamburg. That's where they really meet uh, Ringo Starr. And he sits in occasionally when Pete Best is unavailable for uh, some of their gigs. All right, Mark. Tina Allen and the merry mice. Yeah, I could not find any information about this group, but it's a song that I've I've enjoyed since back in my days at ILI. I think it came out in 75 or 76. There was a period, uh, we're now five years out from the Beatles having broken up, and there's this resurgence of the Beatles, there's reissue of their albums, the Red and Blue compilations are out, and... uh, They're coming out with things like the movie mixes of uh, uh, an album that came out and it's never been re-released, of all the music from, the best music from their movies, and there's sort of this, please Beatles, get back together again, and this is one of the ones that I think encapsulates that the most. John Paul, Ringo, and George.
0: And full disclosure, this radio station did not play this song in the middle 70s by Tina Allen and the Merry Mice. In full
1: disclosure...
0: Tina Allen and the Barry Mice with John, Paul, Ringo, and George, and I stand correct, and Mark tells me we did play that song here at this radio station. I
1: was doing some Saturday morning DJing in addition to being the newsman, and I would I played this a couple of times. I don't think it got played more than that.
0: That tells me that song must be still in this building, because we don't throw stuff out. I don't
1: know about that, Dwayne. I seem to have a 45 Uh that was handed to me and said, we're not playing this anymore. Uh Uh-oh.
0: So... uh... Five-finger discount. (laughs) Uh, All right, that's Mark Roy, and we're doing our annual show about the Beatles, and our theme this year is songs about the Beatles, some by the Beatles. So we move ahead in time to a cut that I have titled here, Titles. Mark, what's that about?
1: Uh, It's a song that references quite a number of Beatles songs. Uh, The uh, lyrics are are structured in a way to give a narrative. It references Long and Winding Road, Here Comes the Sun, Lady Madonna, Let It Be, and a few others are worked in as well, if not in lyrics, then then melodically. And the group is uh, um, one that... um, by, by the time this song came out, they'd put out six albums, but they barely charted in the U.K., where they were a prog rock group. Uh, they came to the U.S. in 75 and recorded an album called Time-Honored Ghosts, and this song uh, was one of the uh, the best off of that album.
0: And the band was called? Barkley, Barkley James Harvest. Yeah.
6: the universe one after 909 i got a feeling for you and i feel fine i tried so hard to make
0: It's called Titles because it's about titles of Beatles songs by Barclay James Harvest as we continue our program this morning about songs that reference the Beatles or in some cases the Beatles themselves reference themselves because, you know, they, they, they really were platinum heroes, Mark. They
1: were. Absolutely, they were. And and we're in a period now, again, where there's there's this nostalgia for getting the Beatles back together. That all ends in 1980 with the death of John Lennon. But it still continues. There's still songs that, that are kind of tributes to the Beatles. Uh, if you remember, the Stars on 45 came out in 1981. That was the number
0: one song. That
1: was the number one song. It was just a compilation. It was a Dutch group who had very sound-alike voices, especially for John, I think, and put together little clips of songs and played them all together of, of Beatles songs. And the, the extended version on their album is 15 and a half minutes long. I love it. I listen to it. Not every day, <laughs> but once in a while, and it's, a, it's just great. It's I'm just really wonderful. glad you
0: brought that up, because that, that song in its own right kind of belongs in our soundtrack of this morning, but we'll do that some other time. It does, time. and it,
1: because it was so long, I didn't, uh, but but there were other things. and I referenced the movie medley, and it's around that time after that becomes a hit, you start hearing Capital puts out a compilation of clips of, uh, of the Beach Boys, not by another group, but the Beach Boys, and then the Beatles movie medley comes out, and again, never released since. So it if you have your hands on that 45 or that LP, those are real collector's items.
0: You was know, crazy? That stars on 45, the, the thing of the Beatles you mentioned, that's a, an example, one of many, of songs that were huge at the time. About 75, I guess it was. You never hear that song anymore. I have not heard that song in 40 years. It's amazing. As, as good as it was, as good as it still is, and you listen to it. So maybe you listen for both of us. That's how that works sure. out. Sure. And I, I guess this next item must have come out in the early 70s, when Jaws was the thing. The well, more, it's
1: late 70s, but after the, Jaws. Jaws well, is what? 75, 76?
0: I was going to say 73, but it might have been 75. <laughs> but I mean, you know, the Jaws thing was huge. The movie was huge. And this band is called Shark Frenzy. Yeah. I, I
1: again, it's one of those. Uh, earlier, we talked about the the group that I couldn't find anything about, Tina Allen and the Merry Mice, which, by the way. <laughs> The flip side of that John, Paul, George, and Ringo, the, the the flip side was called Music to Streak By, which is really dating that record. But uh, Shark Frenzy, other, the only thing I could find is that one of the members of the group was Richie Sambora, who later was part of Bon Jovi.
0: Big name in Bon Jovi, too. And
1: I remember this song being played on on a prog rock station out of Hartford. I can't even remember the call letters anymore because it was the 80s, uh, 70s, 80s. Sounds like an Uh, HCN
0: kind of thing. I think it was
1: HCN. It was very likely WHCN who was playing it.
0: All right. Platinum Heroes. Here we go. Shark Frenzy.
4: There was nothing playing on the radio. The scene was folky. Rock and roll was hokey. Seems the world was at an all-time low. And I saw them singing on the TV. Mop-tops, shouting rock, mercy
0: yeah, yeah, from the band called Shark Frenzy with Platinum Heroes. We won't play a selection from this, but just another example of somebody referencing in one form or another, the Beatles was a song that was a pretty big hit in the early to mid seventies or so by the band Sugarloaf, whose first hit was Green Eyed Lady. Don't call us, we'll call you and they have a little beatles tribute in there too
1: they did they they played off of the riff uh the the guitar riff in i feel fine and they they reference the beatles and say ah john paul george (laughs) it's part of their lyric
0: just jumping ahead a little bit in recent history are people still referencing the beatles or is this all a 70s and 80s kind of thing
1: you know, as I was uh, looking things up for this, I was looking more for period songs. But uh, there was one listicle article that I saw that said 101 songs that reference the Beatles. And there were some by groups I've honestly never heard of, never heard of the songs. But they come right up to the present day where people, people just throw out a mention to the Beatles. The Beatles records was, Beatle record was on while I was doing this or something like that.
0: Hey, I've got a minute to kill here. We're not gonna we're gonna deviate from the, the theme here a little bit. And I'm just curious you, as a huge Beatles fan, my reference to Beatleologist is pretty accurate here, what's your take on the AI version of the new Beatles song now and then? And by the way, just saying new Beatles song is Weird. I,
1: I think that what throws people off is AI. They think, oh, they're recreating John's voice. They are not recreating John's voice. They are using technology to clean up the poor recording from when he made that in the late 70s. On a cassette. On a cassette. It's a mono recording, I, th- I think. I don't think it's a stereo recording. And when I heard the making of... um uh documentary that came out just before they released the full song and i heard the old Because I never listened to the bootleg version of that song that was put out by John. I might have heard a few notes of it and just, you know, forgot about it. But I heard that, and then they played a few seconds of the cleaned up version. It was like, it took my breath away. I just thought, wow, what we can do now. And I think back to the Beatles were always playing with the technology they had at hand. All of those songs where they have backwards playing things, and John's voice is enhanced in things like Tomorrow Never Knows. John would have loved doing this. He had an old tape where, oh, I don't want to sing that again. How can we work this tape out? I want to put that in there. So I love it. I think it's really a wonderful song. I I, I know that they, there is controversy about the fact that there's a bridge in there in the original that they didn't put into this. And it really doesn't matter to me. Others, and I've heard people who have now done cover versions of the song. And there's this one by, a, I think the girl is Scandinavian. And she just plays guitar with it, and she adds the bridge in, and it's just beautifully done. It's just a great song. As We played Empty G- part of Empty Garden by Elton John uh, in the last hour, and referencing the death of John Lennon, and this is George Harrison's tribute to John, uh, thinking back to when he felt that they were all brothers.
4: They treated you like a dog and you were the one who had made it so clear all those years ago, talking all about how to give, they don't act with much honesty. To titrage
0: George Harrison, a big hit with that song called All Those Years Ago, as we talk about songs that were either referencing the Beatles or in some cases the Beatles referenced themselves. That was one good example. Mark Roy is our guest this morning. And now let's bring in Maka, Sir Paul McCartney.
1: It's uh, Paul's um, reaction to the death of John. It's certainly much more somber than George's version. Uh, and uh, it's with acoustic guitar.
4: And if I said, I really knew you well, what would your answer be if you were here today? Ooh, here today, well knowing you, you'd probably laugh and say that we were worlds apart.
6: You were here today Ooh, here
4: today But as for me I still remember how it was Time we met. Well, I suppose that you could say that we were playing hard together. Didn't understand a thing, but we could always sing. What about the night we cried? Because there wasn't any reason left to keep it all inside. Never understood a word, but you were always there. With a smile, and if I say I really loved you and was glad you came along, then you were here today. For you were in my song.
0: That's a nice tune. Paul McCartney here today. He said the song was composed in the form of an imaginary conversation that he might have had with John Lennon. The song is a tribute to his relationship with John Lennon from his 82 album, Tug of War. All right, Mark Roy, what's next?
1: Well, just to get back to that, I mean, Paul is playing there by himself with a string quartet, very much like yesterday, way back in 1965. Uh, and if I can reference again all those years ago by George Harrison, the first time in over a decade that Paul McCartney plays on a song with George Harrison. And in fact, the uh, Ringo plays on all those years ago, as do Linda McCartney and Denny Lane, the final three members of Wings, just as Wings is about to be disbanded, are playing on that song with George. Uh, coming up next, another George Harrison song. I mean, he's We're now into the into the late '80s, early '90s, and they're talking about the anthology. Uh, Apple, uh, the Apple Company, which is the Beatles, is looking to compile all sorts of information and video and audio to put together a documentary about the Beatles. And so Paul and Ringo and George are all thinking about that, and George comes up with a song that's, that's really much about uh, the history of the Beatles themselves. Back
4: then, long time ago, when grass was
0: The opening line of that song, Mark, says, Back then, long time ago, when grass was green. Is that sort of a subtle or not-so-subtle drug reference? I think so. All right, I tried to read too much into I think it. it I think
1: it's more nostalgia, looking back when things were when things were clearer um, in a time that was different.
0: It said, woke up, woke up in a daze, arrived like strangers in the night, long time ago, when we was fab. Nice grammar there, George, for when we was fab. All right, let's move on to Maka. Paul yeah,
1: um, as I said, a lot of the stuff that the that uh, the former Beatles were now doing uh, into the to, into the 90s, uh, obviously George passed away um, going on 22, 23 years ago now. But John, I mean, Paul and Ringo have continued to do songs that are sort of self-referential and autobiographical. And from his uh, 2007 album, Memory almost full. Paul put out a song called That Was Me, and he references the cellar.
4: Spade and bucket by the sea. That was me. That was me playing conkers at the bus stop on a blanket in the bluebells. bells. That was me. The same stands in now And when I think that all this stuff Can make a life It's pretty hard to take it in That was me Well that was me Royal Iris on the river Mercy beating with the band That was me Yeah that was me Sweating cobwebs under contract in the cellar on TV. And that was me. The same me that stands here now. If fate decreed that all of this would make a lifetime, who might disagree? That was me.
0: Talking about songs that are either about the Beatles or sometimes the Beatles reference themselves. That was Paul McCartney, That Was Me, with a reference in the song to The Cellar.
1: The Cellar is the reference to the Cavern Club, which is where Brian Epstein discovered the Beatles when he was, uh, had heard that there was some group from Germany that was playing over at the local Cavern Club. And so Paul is talking about those early days. That's me sweating in the cellar. And then on TV, under contract with the band Mercy Beaten, all those references to Liverpool, etc. It's interesting. That Paul put out in 2004 a song called "In Liverpool." It's sort of a slow, it's a ballad kind of song. He never released it other than as a video. You can find it on YouTube, but you can't. It was never released as an LP, on an LP, an album, a CD, digitally anywhere Uh, it it doesn't refer to the Beatles at all it's really his childhood that he's referencing so it's an earlier period in his life so it doesn't really fit in with what we're talking about but Liverpool is a theme in several songs that Ringo Starr put out and he had an album called Liverpool Eight um, and uh, he um, talks again about life being part of the Beatles I sailed the sea
4: Then I got a job In a factory Played Buckland's camp With my friend Rory It was good for him It was great for me Liverpool, I left you Said goodbye to Madron Street Followed my heart And I never Missed a beat Destiny was calling I just couldn't stick around Liverpool, I left you But I never let you down On With George and Paul And my friend John We walked all night We all looked up, We didn't have much But we had enough Liverpool oh, 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 oh. Liverpool, I left you, but I never let you
7: down
0: Liverpool Eight, a song by Ringo Starr, lead track on his 2008 album of the same name, Song and autobiography, autobiography, try to say, of Ringo put to song with emphasis on his time with the Beatles. And the title, Liverpool Eight, refers to the postal district of the Dingle area of Liverpool in which Ringo was born. Liverpool Eight, the song as we play songs about or that reference the Beatles. In some cases, they reference themselves. So speaking of Ringo, let's wrap it up with one more number here, Mark Roy.
1: Yeah, this uh, final one is from an album of the same name called Postcards from Paradise. Actually, Ringo put out um, a book of photographs that he had taken uh during the time of the Beatles and uh that book came out at the same time as this CD came out uh just a couple of years ago and uh it's really Ringo uh <laughs> I guess in, in a creative period takes titles to all of the Beatles songs that he knows and makes it into a narrative of uh, of sorts uh similar to what we heard earlier with uh, Barkley James Harvest and the titles song that we played
0: and it's a sweet autobiographical 50s rock and roll number about rory storm and the hurricanes the band ringo was in before joining the beatles so this tune postcards from paradise if you know your beatles library you're going to hear a lot of beatles song titles in this song by ringo
4: Sat here, there and everywhere Until I saw you standing there I am the greatest fan of you And love is all I've got to do It's all too much, my little child If you would be my honey pie, eight days a week. Hide your love away. But if your heart is bad to me, it's only Like I said the night before I love you when I'm sixty-four
0: Ringo, Postcards from Paradise, the chorus of that number includes references to All My Lovin' and P.S. I Love You, but lots of other titles in that song as well. Wrapping up our annual Beatles show with Beatleologist Mark Roy, talking about songs that reference the Beatles, in some cases they reference themselves. Any final thought, Mark? You think uh, you think Ringo and Paul might do a concert? I don't, I don't see that
1: ever happening, uh, although both have been on concert tours this year. Uh, Ringo in the U.S. was stopped by COVID in the spring, and then he returned in the fall, and he's announced that he's going to do a stint in Las Vegas in May and June. Paul has his Got Back tour in Australia, Mexico, and Brazil. He started October 18th in Adelaide. He ended up December 16th in Rio de Janeiro. That tour is going to continue in 2024. Paul released a book, 1964, Eyes of the Storm, which were photographed he took in 1964. Very interesting book, a little autobiographical by him. Um, He can be heard on a podcast called A Life in Lyrics, which is drawn from the hours of interviews he did with poet Paul Muldoon when he was putting together his 2022 book, The Lyrics, 1965 to the Present. And that's now out in paperback. That just came out in paperback a short time ago. That book and the podcast are as close to a memoir or autobiography that Paul is going to do. Uh, both of them have been busy musically this year in terms of uh, some singles. Paul and Ringo are on Dolly Parton's new version of Let It Be on her uh, album of rock covers. Ringo plays drums on a song by the acapella group Pentatonix called Happy Birthday Beautiful. Ringo released an EP. I think it's his fourth EP in the last two years. It's called Rewind Forward and includes one song that he plays on with with Paul McCartney who wrote the song. Paul has now announced a 50th anniversary edition of Band on the Run which will have an additional disc that includes the entire lineup of the first album but without the overdubs, it's called an underdubbed album. Basically, it's almost like an acoustic version of every song without the extra added uh, material that you add in the studio when a, when a when a song is completed. So that'll be interesting to hear sometime later this year. Um, we, you, you played now and then um, back uh, just before 7 o'clock, before I arrived. And I want to say that that's probably the biggest news that came out of the Beatles this year. It was rumored, and then there was nothing about it. And it was like, what what's going to happen? Is that song ever going to come out? And then there were rumors that, well, maybe they're going to finally put out that, uh, that deluxe edition of Rubber Soul, because last year there was a deluxe edition of Revolver. And then it started leaking out that the red and blue compilation albums were being remixed and people were thinking, "Ah, we just got one of those in 2018. What's up with that? Well, it turns out the reason was they decided to... Of songs and to add now and then to the blue compilation as the final song on on that LP, I think they were wrong not to put the two songs that came out in ninety five um, that that, uh, that that they did that were also john 's songs, and both of them are escaping my memory at the moment, but <laughs> um, but anyway, I thought those would have been they were from the anthology free as a bird and um, uh and and i thought that uh, free as a bird and real love should have been included in the blue album memory finally comes
0: back Both songs that came out 95 or something like that I yeah, remember, yeah i remember hearing free as a bird for the first time while i was driving outside anchorage on the Turnigan Arm, going down to Portage Glacier, because they made a big deal on the radio. We're going to play it coming up. Play it coming up. Mm-hmm. And you don't hear that song a lot these days, no. but it, it was big because they're not together anymore, and they put out a new song, much like Now and Then, which is the song that just was released a couple of months ago. And
1: the anthology albums were released one, two, three, and one. of You know, Free as a Bird was on the first one. The second one came out with Real Love, and the third one was supposed to have Now and Then, and here we are, so many years later, and it's fine
0: out hmm. how many times have you seen mccartney in concert
1: four i believe how um, many of those
0: you got tickets from me from <laughs> i think once once, once. i bought um, tickets i bought tickets from mccartney in hartford and it turns out i didn't realize that i had a conflict and i yeah. couldn't go and i'm going how do i un-? and by the way tickets for that think about this tickets to see mccartney in hartford and i'm guessing this is 20 or so years ago but tickets to see mccartney in hartford were like 170 bucks I don't think you can see McCartney now for 170 no. bucks. No, no, Everything's no. escalated so no, much. But anyway, at all. so I'm looking to dump these tickets because I can't go. I go, who else? Who else? But Mark Royce. I went so with my daughter. Yes, <laughs> And we both did.
1: had a great time. And no, then, I originally and... saw him in May of 76, Wings, in Boston with uh, Willie B. Naughton, who was a DJ here at the time, William J. William J. Naughton, excuse me. And um, <laughs> I think in Providence once, in Worcester once, and then Hartford so four times
0: great entertainer have you seen ringo one?
1: seen ringo twice once at oakdale and when he was at bristol when he first started out with the all-star band back in, at lake compounds 1987 something like that and if I we, re- uh, we had tickets for the eighth row we ended up in the third row it was an wow. outdoor concert
0: wow and if i recall correctly you have seen the beatles love in las vegas no have not. Well, you better see it soon because when I was out there last year for the NCAA Sweet Sixteen and Elite Eight, I saw it again. I've seen it twice now. To be honest, the first time was the one that really got to me. It it, it was like wow, I've died and gone to heaven. But it was still cool to see it the second time. But what I was reading is that uh, they're they might they might have an end of that run. And they talked about the fact that it's it's an aging. Even though the Beatles have a wide ranging demographic of fans, and that mm-hmm. includes the younger generation now too, but they said that that you know ticket sales have gone down, and they're going to bring in something else to that theater, which is a uniquely constructed theater for what they do and the Beatles' love. It's the Cirque du Soleil program. That they're going to bring in something else, and I'm going, oh man, because to be honest, if I ever go back to Vegas, which was coincidental that's where the ncaa's was i said i gotta do this and i did it and for you as big as you are into the beatles i'm thinking it might be worth a special trip you don't have to go out there and do the grand canyon and do the other stuff out there just just see the beatles love at the mirage it's really really outstanding
1: i had never mm-hmm. been a, a fan of seeing lookalikes doing the Beatles, you know, the group Rain. I know you, I think you've seen that. Well, I've seen it three times. Uh, but yeah. I've kind of warmed up to that now, and it's like, okay. I did see Beatlemania, that show that was, I thought it was off-Broadway or on-Broadway. It was on Broadway. But I But it came it. to the Bushnell sometime in the 80s, 90s, 90s, I don't know, whenever it was, and saw it then, and enjoyed it, and it was fine. And it was very nostalgic, and it's great music, obviously.
0: I saw it on Broadway on New Year's Eve. And for some reason, they started the show like at ten, so it could be over like at eleven thirty or forty-five, and then you can go watch the ball drop or whatever. So I did I did that. I saw the whole play and all that. And what was the line they had for Beatlemania? Not the Beatles, but an incredible simulation Sim, or something yes. like that. Yeah. So what was crazy was that in the middle of this, I thought really well done play about the Beatles imitation. You get people in the second act that were getting up and walking out because they wanted their prime real estate for the ball drop. I got good real estate for the ball drop, and I stayed at the end. Why did they have to leave early? I don't know, but anyway. And then we had the guy, uh, Carlo Cantemesso, who played with the cast of Beatlemania. That was one of the many Beatlemania kind of things that went around. He's been here in the studio He had a display of all his guitars and stuff up at uh, uh, the uh, the Yukon Library, the Babbage Library, and he was great. And he did the whole. He he was the guy that played John, and he did the uh, the whole uh, the whole Lennon accent, and it was phenomenal. I've replayed that show a couple of times. Maybe it's time to replay it again. Uh, It's it's podcast archived on our website someplace. Don't ask me where it is, but uh, if you like that kind of stuff. Those are those are the right people to talk to. Mark, it's a pleasure every year doing this program. And what I like is, A, that you come up with these cool themes. Today was about songs that reference the Beatles, or sometimes the Beatles themselves talk about their own history and so forth. And, B, you did a lot of the research, preparation, providing me with the songs we played today. So you made it such a good show. Thank you very much for coming in today. you Always good to see you, my friend. Love to do it. Thank you. Mark Roy, our former news director my former roommate actually until he found another one and married her i'd already found her and i'll tell you what your tree's a lot better than mine <laughs> <laughs>